All right, my church, what do you think? You guys like that? Oh, yeah. You guys are way more enthusiastic than those uh, 930 people or 945 people. Hey, thank you guys for being here. What do you guys think of this house party theme? Isn't that cool? I mean, that, that bumper video, that's awesome. We're going to start serving our coffee in red Solo cups during this. No, we're not. That is a joke, and you're horrible for that. No, I, I shouldn't have said it. You shouldn't have laughed. But we did. But seriously, this is going to be exciting. We're pumped about what's going on. These next, as Stephen mentioned a minute ago, these next few weeks, we're going to be doing this series called House Party. And the idea is that at my church, Sunday should be a party. Sunday should be a celebration where people who have stuff to celebrate can come and get loud. And people who don't have anything to celebrate can come and get hope. Amen? Wouldn't that be cool? So that's what we want to be. And one of the cool things is our, uh, our lead pastor last Sunday, Jeff Murphy, our lead pastor, who, by the way, is away this week because he went with the youth group to the Big Stuff Youth Camp in Panama City Beach. Said they needed an extra driver. Likely excuse, in my opinion. No, but seriously, he, had, he has had a great time, and so have they. But at the end of his... Uh, teaching last week, he was telling the story about the prodigal son. You guys remember that story from the scriptures? It's about a son who was wayward and he went off and blew all his inheritance and kind of broke his dad's heart. And then at the end of the story, he wants to come home. And as he's coming home, the dad welcomes him. And it's really awesome. And in this story, at the very end, I'm sorry, at the end of, of a certain part of the prodigal son story, the dad says, we're going to have a, a celebration because my son who was gone is now home. My son who was lost is now found. It's like he was dead to me and now he's alive. So he was excited. And the phrase that the Bible uses in Luke chapter 15, verse 24, at this part of the prodigal son story says, and the party began. And that's what we thought, man, that's what, that is so cool. The party began because someone made his way back to his father. And so, you know, our, as my church, our, uh, our mission is helping people find their way back to God. So every time someone finds their way back to God, we should be like that story in the Bible. That the party begins. And the party began. That's how this series got thought up. So... We're going to say that. We're going to say that phrase together. And the party began. Okay, on three. One, two, three. And the party began. Oh, that's so good. Isn't this cool? We are having a Sunday house party. And we're going to take for the next few weeks the idea of house party. And we're just going to talk about what God really, I think, has purposed for my church to be all about. We have a lot of great churches here in our area. God is doing some cool things here in the uh, southwest Georgia area and over in Alabama. And we as a church have a particular role to play. And so we're going to spend a few weeks just reminding ourselves, and those of you who might be new, letting you in on what it is that, that we feel like is the purpose that my church exists, helping people find their way back to God. We'll talk about how that looks. And most importantly, we'll talk about how all of us can participate and play a role in that happening in our lives, in the lives of our family, in the lives of a lot of other people. So it's going to be awesome. As you probably saw, the words that were on the, at the end of that, that video, it says, party every Sunday, 
love our city every day because every person matters. Isn't that cool? That's our heart. That's what we want to be about. Yes, we can celebrate and applaud that. That's really awesome. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at a story um, about what happened with Jesus and some of his first and most famous and kind of most important followers. And we're going to find out how they first started connecting together. And we think we're going to learn some things from this story. It's found in the book of Luke, first four. You know, it's one of the first books of the, of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. And no, Ringo is not a Bible name. Uh, but seriously, in the, in the book of Luke, we hear the story of how Jesus met some of those uh, first followers. So if you have your Bible with you, turn to Luke chapter 5. If you don't have your Bible, or maybe you can look it up on your device, or if not, we'll have it on the screen. So here's the story uh, that we're going to look at today. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now we're going to leave that on the screen for one second and recap this first part of the story. This takes place, all this plays out just a few weeks, a few days and weeks into Jesus's. Uh, public ministry. He's 30 years old at the time, and up until the time he was 30, he was, uh, nobody knew him other than people just in his little community. But after the, the age of 30, that's when it all started going down, where Jesus started traveling around to the nearby communities and teaching people about God and talking to them about faith. And every time that Jesus stopped in one of these towns to teach, it was just amazing. People were transfixed. They couldn't get enough of it. And there was always a significant crowd that would gather. And also, during this time, he started doing a few miracles, which was a big deal, and people were noticing that for sure. You know, doing miracles, laying his hands on sick people, they were getting healed. So there was a little bit of a buzz. He was trending. And so um, they were word of mouth, which, by the way, is how people tweeted back then. They just spoke to each other. These are the jokes, okay? This is all we have. So you're going to have to decide to either get with me or not. I mean, it's your call. But seriously, Jesus was starting to get a bit of a following. And so in this particular situation, goes to the shore of the Sea of Galilee, standing on the beach there on the sand, and starts teaching. And the crowd starts to gather, and they're pressing in on him. He's backing up and backing up. And now he's uh, right on the water. If we don't do something, it's going to be a really soggy prophet. So he looks over and he says, hey, there's two empty boats. And because the fishermen that owned those boats were just getting ready to wrap up their day. They were clocking out. They were cleaning their nets. And so he goes and steps into one of them, which is kind of rude, I think, but it was bold step on his part. And the owner of this particular boat was named Simon. We know him as Simon Peter or Peter. And Peter probably looked and said, uh, can I help you? And uh, Jesus said, yes, you can. Can you take this boat, put it out just a little bit into the water? Simon said, huh? okay. And so he did it. And so Jesus sat in the boat and taught the crowd as they were on the beach. I think that was a genius plan, and it worked out great. Now, let's follow up, or let's complete the story. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let your nets down 
to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all night, all last night, and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish that the net began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. That's a a big deal miracle. Um, When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So let's have a word of prayer before we get into the story. Is that okay? Father in heaven, we thank you for today. We're grateful. We appreciate your scriptures and the, and the great stories that are in there. Thank you for this particular story. But Lord, we need your help today because so that we can understand what it is you want to say to us through this story. So we're asking you open our minds and our eyes and open our hearts so that we can get it, so we can understand what it is that you want to say. And and we thank you for that. We, we love you and we ask you to use this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I want to look at this story and I want to share a handful of thoughts with you that I think might help us, uh, thoughts straight from this story that will help us uh, if we want to embrace this idea, wrap our minds around this idea that uh, the Lord would have our church be like a house party for people who are making their way back to God, which includes us. That every time we make our steps towards God, that it's worthy of celebration. And if that is true, then I think there's some ideas and thoughts that might help us to kind of figure out, all right, great, you know, it might be a house party at church on Sunday, cute video, nice, nice song by Sam. What's the guy's name? Hunt? No, I don't know. Whatever, I'm very old and very white. I have no idea what these people are saying, singing. But anyway, so um, anyway, if all this is true, that's well and good. But is there a role that, I, I mean, is there a way I can really be a part of that or not? And if, if we're going to open ourselves to the idea of that, I think these, these thoughts, or these concepts that I want us to talk about might be of help to us. And the first idea I want us to throw out there for you from this story is that what seems random can lead to forever level stuff in our lives. Something that might just seem like a, oh, by the way, or this just happened to occur, could actually be part of a, a big plan. It could, it could be part of something that's going to matter for us and other people. I mean, who knows? Maybe even forever. Or into eternity. And that's, that's the idea I want to toss out. And if you think about what happened in this story, that's, that's what went down. Because we're talking about people, these, these, this group of fishermen, the guy, one guy named Peter, the other's named James, John. These are like major league Hall of Fame followers of Christ. They end up being major players in the story of the Christian faith. 
as it gets off the ground. And on this day, they just went to work, or the night before, they just went to work to do their thing. And it just so happens that this new famous, semi-popular rabbi happened to come by their part of the Sea of Galilee where they worked. And it just so happened that he didn't have enough room to stand. So he needed someone in, that had a boat. And what, what do you know? Peter happened to be... You know, so it just seems like, wow, what a coincidence that all these things keep happening. Now, I don't know if you believe in coincidences. Is that plural for coincidences? That's kind of a funny... It's coincidai. No, that's not it. I'm a trained speaker. Don't try this at home. So the, the thing is, is that G, I believe... When people say, ooh, what a coincidence, I respond by saying, I think coincidence has a name. His name is Jesus. Because he makes coincidences happen. And they become more than just random things. They become forever eternal kind of things. And that's what went down. If you were to pause and just look back at some of the major slices of, of your story... Maybe you could find some of those things out. That's so wild how that just happened. How that, That's weird, you know. I just so happened to be working in a cubicle next to a guy who just always talked about his faith and, and, and was always talking about what he did at his church that weekend. And it piqued my interest. And now, boom, I'm in. Now I, you know, I started kind of thinking about it and it sort of led me towards uh, the, the faith thing or... The random stuff that takes place, you never know. There's this great verse that says, uh, in our hearts, we as men or as humans, we plan our, our ways, but it is the Lord who directs our steps. It's God who's putting all... And this story that happened with Jesus and the boat and Peter and the fish, huge setup. I mean, it was a total setup, and God knew exactly what he was doing. And I would say that in our lives, God is doing the same thing. He is, he is setting us up for, for connections and what might be called coincidences or ran, random things. I was sharing this with uh, my daughter when I was telling her about this, this talk we were going to have today. And she made this statement. She said, you know, when those fishermen, when Peter, James, and John, they got up to go to work, they, they didn't say, I think I'll meet Jesus today. They didn't go looking for him. He came looking for them. And he inserted himself into their life at just the right time. I mean, and they ended up being game changers on a global scale. Carrying the message of Christianity that now has reached historically billions, billions, billions of people. I mean, isn't that amazing? I mean, one... (laughs) One morning, they're cleaning their nets after fishing. The next day, they're saving lives. What? 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 I mean, how does that even happen? Because it was a God thing. God found them. Jesus stepped into his boat. Here's what I propose. I want to share with you that maybe today, you thought... I'm just going to go to church. I'm going to do the church thing. It's a, it's a Sunday. It's raining. There's not much else to do. I'm, it's 11.30 service. I got to sleep in a little bit. I'll go, I'll go check things out. You're just here doing your Sunday thing. I was, you know what? Jesus just stepped into your boat. You might not have even asked him to. You might not have even known you needed him to. 
But boom, there he is. And you're kind of like, Peter, uh, Messiah, can I help you? Is there something you need? And Jesus is like, no, I just wanted to come hang out with you. If you'll give the Lord a little bit of room in your life, let's see what might could happen. I believe that when you follow Jesus, anything is possible. When you follow Jesus, anything can happen. You never know. And if we say yes to the Lord, game-changing stuff could take place. Eternal level, forever type of stuff could start going on in our lives. So, what was it after Jesus, you know, used Peter's boat as a place to sit and teach from? What was it that Jesus asked Peter to do? Let's look at the next thing. He says, Peter, I want us... Or Simon, uh, there was a name change that went down later. It was really cool. But he basically said, listen, why don't we, now that I'm done teaching, why don't we go sail out a little farther, drop our nets, and, and catch some fish? Now, Simon is sitting there going, now remember, he just heard Jesus teach. And like we were saying before, every time Jesus, there was this magical, powerful effect that Jesus had every time he taught. People were like, they couldn't, get in, they couldn't stop talking about it. They were like, he's different than all the other teachers. He's got like this authority with him. You know what it was? It was, it was the Holy Spirit of God that was just oozing out of Jesus. Jesus was so in step and in tune with the Heavenly Father that the Holy Spirit was just everywhere, wherever he went. It was powerful. And people... They couldn't quite put their finger on it, but you can imagine Peter is sitting there in the boat, a little bit off from the shore. I mean, he's got front row seats for this, right? And Jesus speaks. So Peter's probably mouth agape. He's like, oh no, this is what just happened. What did I just hear? Life-changing stuff. And then Jesus looks and goes, hey, let's go fish. And so Peter's like, oh, I probably should, but then I should probably tell him that if we've already tried, you know, and, and we were out there last night, all night, and we caught nothing. But I guess if you say so, we'll do it. Now, he, the reason I want to bring up this part of the story is because the thought I want to share with you is that I think when Jesus is in your boat, things are different. When Jesus is in the boat with you, now you understand we're kind of talking now in a, in a, in, in a, allegorical kind of sense or you know saying if Jesus is in my life or if Jesus is a part of my thing or or, or around me and my stuff then things can be different than they were before he got there and so um, that's what happened to Peter here he is and he's like Jesus here's what happened last night we went out we tried we did the whole thing and nothing came of it so this is probably not a good idea, but since you say, I'll go ahead and do it. I find myself, if I'm honest and I look back at my life, I can think of a ton of times when I responded to the Lord the same way Peter did at first. When the Lord might be trying to direct me to, to sort of, you know, maybe, maybe take a step. To maybe try something. To God trying to give me a little direction. 
And my response is often, well, see, Jesus, I've already tried that. And, and I tried, and I worked hard at it. And I tried, and you know what? It didn't work. I tried that, and it didn't work. So um, let's not. Let's, I, 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 def, I choose not to, Lord. When all I'm thinking of is what happened before Jesus was a part of the equation. And I was out there trying to do something on my own. I don't know, can you relate to that? Can you relate to coming up with this excuse of saying, eh, I'm not really, I'm, you know, Lord, I'm not just, I'm not feeling it today. So uh, I don't think I want to do that. How about the idea that when Jesus literally tells him, let's go out where it's deeper. Let's go out farther than we are where we're at right now and, and try this. I mean, there are times, here's what I believe. There are times in our faith journey where God's going to be impressing on you. God's going to be trying to direct you to go out a little farther than you've gone out before. To try something that might even be a little riskier than you've tried before. Or, or at least farther than, and deeper and riskier than you're at right, uh, the place you're at right now. And he's saying, go on out there. Let's do that. And it'll be our moment to decide whether we're going to say yes to that or whether we're going to say no. Because sometimes, let's be honest, we could just respond and say, Lord, I am barely, I'm just trying to keep it together here. I'm just trying to keep my thing together in this little shallow water. And you're telling me to go out even deeper? I mean, I'm barely hanging on here. And you want me to go out farther? And try something riskier? And Jesus is like, yeah, let's do it. The only, you know, if you look at, at the story that we're reading here today, the night before they go out, nothing happens. The day when, with Jesus they go out, they, take a, they catch a record-breaking haul of fish. There's only one thing that's different about the scenario. And that's who's in the boat with them. So maybe the one difference for us would be, instead of saying, Lord, I have tried this and failed miserably. I don't want to go out there again. I don't want to go out there farther where I could get embarrassed or hurt again. Or I could take that risk and it come back to bite me. And I don't want that. I mean, what's going to, Lord, I don't want to do that. But what's the difference? What if Jesus is in the boat with us? What if the Lord is saying to us, you, we can do this together? I think that's one of the messages the Lord wants us to think about here today. That maybe, what is it? I, I guess what I'm saying is, what is it that the Lord is asking us to do? For some of us, there's some really specific things that are coming up into our minds, some steps that the Lord would have us take. And we're, I'm telling you, it's easier to pull back. If you're, you know, if you're in a, an uncertain time, I mean, think about Peter. He was having a bad day. He had had a total waste of a work day or a work night. And now he's, he's done. He got nothing out of his f fishing trip before. You remember the scene in Forrest Gump 
where he's trying to learn to be a shrimp boat guy? Do you remember that? And he said, shrimping is hard. Because, you know, nothing's falling out of the nest. That's what Peter had the night before. That's what Simon, James, John, all of them had the night before. And yet, now, I mean, so, so he's in this bad day. And now Jesus is saying, get on back out there. And I think when we're going through difficulty, the easiest thing to do, the most natural thing to do, is to pull back. You know what I'm saying? And to protect what we got, and to stay shallow, and to stay safe, and not go out into the deep. But that's what the Lord is, I think, going to be asking us to do. Come on, let's go. Because I'm in the boat with you. So what is it? What, what might it be for you, or your family, or your business, or your relationships? Or your connection with God. Maybe it's a big, a big step for you. But Jesus is like, we got this. I'm in the boat with you. How many of you have been around my church long enough to hear us talk about small groups? Raise your hand if you've heard us. Raise your hand if you're tired of hearing us talk about small groups. No, I mean, we, we just beat that to death. Did we not? I mean, we're like small groups. But here's because we believe we change and we grow in community. We believe that that's huge part of how God wants to fit us together. And when you think about our house party in this series, in the weeks to come, Jeff's going to talk about this. This idea of connecting. Maybe God's asking you to take a step into the deeper parts or go out farther when it comes to connecting. And you're like, I don't know, because my life is stressful enough to have to add a meeting to do every other week or whatever. And stressful enough for me to have to start telling my story to people. Yikes. But maybe God's saying, step on out there. Because big time miracles could be right on the other side of us saying, okay, I don't want to. I've tried it before and it didn't work. It's, there's all this risk involved. But Lord, if you say so, I'll go for it. And that's what happened to them. They had this miraculous catch of fish. When I was looking at this part of the story, I was thinking about Jesus in the boat, miracle, boom. Pow, it happens. Jesus not in the boat before, a whole bunch of nothing. And I started thinking about, I want to hear some verses in the Bible. I, I dug up some verses. I wanted to find verses in the Bible that said, but now. Say the word, but now. But now. So I wanted to say, find some ber- verses in the Bible that talked about the way, the way it was before we let God into our lives and now the way things can be. So uh, there's some really, it's a cool search to do on your app. But I found one. A really cool verse in First Peter chapter 2 that I want to show you, verse 25. And it says, once, we were like, once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your soul. That's cool. And notice it doesn't say, once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now everything's perfect and life is good and it never rains on your car after you wash it. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say everything's going to be okay. It doesn't say everything's going to be easy. It doesn't even promise that everything's going to work out and there'll be a group hug at the end of your episode. It doesn't say that. What it says is that at one time you were lost and wandering and doing your own thing and now you have turned to your shepherd and he will guard your soul. And that's good news. Once we were on our own, now we're not. Anything is possible. Now I want to throw out another thought to you from this story that really 
comes up strong for me. And it really, the thought is this, we're not disqualified. We are not disqualified. The reason I bring this up is because I found it interesting what Peter's first response was as soon as this miraculous headline-making catch of fish happened. I mean, everybody was talking about this is an amazing catch of fish. I mean, people didn't know there were that many fish in that part of the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it was mind-blowing. And Peter's first response was to fall to his knees and say to the Lord, Please, I, I am not a good person. I'm not, I'm not good enough for this to be happening to me. And I'm not good enough for you to stay in my boat. So thank you. But I don't qualify. I mean, this, I'm not good. I'm not, I'm not your guy. I'm not the guy this should be happening to. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is because I think, or at least I know I can relate to that, and I think maybe, if you're honest, you could too. When you think about the thought, well, maybe it is, maybe it is possible. If I say yes to the Lord, and I start following Christ, and I really invest and say I could be a part of this amazing house party thing or whatever, but I know too much about my, my, my story and my past and I'm not good enough to deserve that. And some of those other people at my church or some of those other people at those other churches, they're okay. But I don't qualify because I'm just too messed up. And that's what Peter was saying. Peter was like, I, I'm not good enough for this. And so I'm asking you in this moment to pause and think, is that where you're at? Is that one of the reasons that maybe you're doing a little bit of a pushback on the idea of fully investing in what God is doing in a faith community around you? Is that one of the things that might be making you say, it's not really for me? I know I've, I think that a lot. And, I th- and I've said to the Lord, Lord, I can't, I'm, I'm too broken. And I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm telling you straight up. That's how I felt. And I cycle through that feeling quite often where I say, I am too broken. I'm not your guy. And the real truth is that when we say that, God says back to us, it's because you're broken is precisely why you are my guy. And you are the woman that I need in this situation. Because that's how God rolls. That's how God does things. He doesn't look for perfect people. He looks for broken, normal, regular, imperfect, real people to show the world how powerful He can be and how, much, how, how amazing life with Him can be. That's the way it works. Several years ago, my daughter Carly and I were at the beach. We were down at Gulf Shores, and it was just the two of us. She was a freshman in college. I had been divorced a a few years at that time. Actually, just two years at that time. Our family was still dealing with all the wounds and the scars of that, of the separation. The time I lived in Birmingham, she lived in Virginia. It 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 was a difficult time for our family. My daughter and I have a few days at the beach together. It was choice, man. It was a great visit. One day we're at the beach, and, um, and she looks at me and she says, can we collect 
some shells. Now listen, when you're, if you've got older children, you know this is true. When your older kids want to do something that they used to do when they were real little and, and have a lot of fun with it, that is parenting gold. That's nostalgia dad moment right there. And I'm like, well, of course we can get some shells. So I buy, you know, this cheesy little bucket. And, uh, you know, as dad, I always take it too far. But anyway, we start collecting shells. She says, maybe we can find a sand dollar. Anybody ever found a full, complete, not broken sand dollar? Raise your hand. It's very rare. Carly had found one when she was little and and she was like, maybe we can do that today. And I'm like, oh, God, please make that happen because that would be a real super dad moment for me. And, and I'm all, all about that. So I'm like, please, Lord, make that happen. So we're out there waiting. And what happens is, is we never find a sand dollar that's all together. Um, instead, we, uh, we end up finding pieces of sand dollars, you know, like... Like this right here, this is this triangle is a piece of a, it's like a slice of pizza. If I had eight of these, I could make a full sand dollar, you know what I'm saying? So we started finding these instead of the full sand dollar. And I was kind of bummed out about that at first, but Carly thought it was cool. She's like, oh, look how that, imagine how big that sand dollar was, you know, and stuff like that. So we start collecting these uh, fragments of sand dollars. And then as we go, then we see other fragments of shells that are real pretty you know they might have some color to them like orange I don't know if you can see that online people probably can't see that at all but anyway it's we start having fun going "Ooh, look there's something orange or red or or whatever in the in the surf and we and we pick it up and it's just these little it's like shards of shells you know it's I mean this whole bag right here there might be a handful of shells that are actually all together and I was kind of bummed about that because I thought I thought it would be cool to find something full, whole, together. Something that looks really great, like gift shop quality souvenir. Look what me and my daughter found because we're awesome, you know, or something like that. Never happened. So we got to talking, and, and still we had fun. And I'm, towards the end of it, I'm, I'm waiting there, and we're, we're looking. And I chuckled to myself, I think, for, when we started this, the high-value target was a full complete pretty shell or sand dollar and now suddenly at some point she just decided that she was placing some she valued you know just these little pieces and I just thought that was kind of funny and then it was like I, I, I felt like God spoke to me I know that sounds weird to say but the thought came into my head that I'm certain was from the Lord and uh, it was as if God was saying to me this phrase. He said, I too place high value on broken things. And it blew my mind because there I am, I'm ankle deep in the Gulf of Mexico, picking up broken pieces of all these shells and sand dollars. And I'm looking around and I'm looking at the, bu- the bucket and I'm going, this is me. This, this is my, because my life, there's stuff in my life that's so broken that I don't think it'll ever get set right again. This, I'm, I'm sitting here picking up pictures of me. And God is saying to me, I place high value on you. And just because you're broken doesn't mean it can't be made beautiful still. And so I had this great worship moment while I'm, you know, getting sunburnt in Orange Beach. Great moment with God. 
Later I tell Carly about it, and she connects, and we just have this great faith moment. When Peter knelt at G- by Jesus and said, I am not a good person, I am a sinful man, Jesus responded by saying, don't be afraid. He said, don't freak out about that. Don't be afraid. Because from now on, you're going, to be, you're going to be fishing for people. Jesus didn't say, yeah, you are a little too jacked up for me to use, Simon. I'm going to go to another boat now. Please leave me. He didn't say that. He said, don't be afraid. I can make you into something that you are currently not. Right now you're a fisher of fish. I'm going to make you a fisher of people. I can do that. I'm in your boat. We're in this together. I just think that sometimes it's really healthy for us in a moment of prayer or in a moment of worship or a moment of thought and conversation with God to just just say, Lord, all I am is a bag full of broken stuff. I, I am broken. And I, I don't know how this can ever matter to you or my family or my friends or anybody else. But it's yours. I, it's just to offer what we have to the Lord, broken and busted up as it might be. And, and I think that when we do that, God is like, yes! He is like, This is the moment that I've been waiting for. Because he can make something that matters out of the most busted up parts of us and the most broken things in our lives and in our family and in our communities. So anything is possible if we say yes to the Lord. Jesus responded to this broken guy, not by busting on him, but by saying it's okay, man. Don't, don't be afraid. I can make you into something beautiful. We get to participate. That's the best, that's the coolest part about this uh, house party idea. We get to participate as broken and as scarred as we might be. We don't have to wait till we're all fixed up for God to use us. For God to... For us to be able to participate in what he's doing. Uh, you know, Carly and I, that, that day, we took our, our shells, and this is only one portion of what we collected over that trip, and we took it back into the, uh, the little room that we had, and we spread them all out, all over the counter. And so we had just this broken, it was, it was this mess of pieces, but it was really cool looking too. They were all over the kitchen counter. And Carly started talking to me about something. She said, you know, Dad, in art, there's this thing called a mosaic. You guys heard of a mosaic? All right, now, that could be a picture, a painting, a photographic collection, a sculpture, some sort of, any, really any kind of art piece. And what happens is the artist takes little uh, just tons and tons of little pieces or pictures, and he puts them together, and because of the shape 
and color of each of those individual things, each individual pieces, it, when he puts it together in a certain way, it shows you a picture or a, sh- or a sculpture. Have you ever seen a mosaic? They're trippy. But they're really cool too. And my daughter says, because I had told her about all this that the Lord had showed me, and she says, you know, I think that's what God does. God takes all of us broken pieces, and if we'll let Him, He'll put us and connect us together in a way that we end up helping paint this bigger picture or having this bigger sculpture, this bigger image. And now God can show the world what He can do. And the world will go, the world won't be looking so much at us. They'll be looking at the big picture of God's love and His grace. And when they dive in, then they'll start hearing, meeting us and hearing some of our stories and they'll go, whoa, how did this just happen? That's what God does. He wants to bring us in and participate in what he's doing. Is that not the coolest thing? Don't you love how God would do that? Now, we're about to wrap. So if you don't mind standing with me, We're kind of getting down to the home stretch here. As we're standing here, in in a moment, I'll pray to close, and then we'll worship together with one more song from the band. They're going to do a song that's one of those uh, but now kind of songs. It talks about how at one time we were slaves to fear, but now we are children of God. We're sons and daughters of God. It's a great way to end our our service here in just a minute. But what I want to do is I want to share you this idea, this picture, this image I have in my mind when I think and pray about my church, about how God wants to use my church to make a difference in people's lives. It's kind of real big picture, all right? So I'm going to ask you to go here with me. But I picture in my mind a conversation happening between two people. Years from now. Decades from now. I don't know where this conversation takes place. That's not real clear in my, in my vision. Other than it's a coffee shop. Because that's where good things happen. Two people having coffee together. Might be Columbus. Might be somewhere else in the country. Might be somewhere else in the world. And one person is telling the other their faith story. And this person is saying to their friend. You know, my family, I don't come from a real long line of churchy folks. I don't come from a bunch, a bunch, bunch, bunch of generations of Christian type people. But here, let me tell you what happened one time. And here's how the conversation goes. And it's like, I hear it clearly in my mind. This person says, we weren't much of a Christian family. Until one day, my grandfather walked into a church behind a McDonald's in Columbus, Georgia. And because of what happened there, and because of the things he heard and learned, and because of the people he met there, everything changed for my family. 
And it's why I'm sitting here today telling you that my faith is what defines me. Can you picture that? Can you picture how cool that would be? Can you picture that that might be you? That could be you. Not the guy telling the story. You could be the granddad. You could be the grandma. This could be your story. You walk into a community of faith that says no perfect people allowed. Bring your brokenness to the Heavenly Father. And we will have a house party and we'll just see what happens. Anything is possible. I'm not that kind of guy. We're not that kind of family. I'm too broken. What if we just said yes to the Lord and just waited to see what could happen? Our family line could be talking generations from now about how everything pivoted on this place and what God was doing here. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't you love to be a part of that story? Is that awesome? That's our house party. Every Sunday. God can do amazing things. Let's pray. If you don't mind, bow your head and close your eyes. And before I lead you in this prayer, I just want to ask a question. And I'm going to ask if you don't mind to keep your eyes closed and your head bowed. Because we don't want to embarrass anybody. But I want to ask the question. Maybe some of us walked in here today. We don't really feel like we got a faith thing going on. We don't have a relationship, a connection with God. And... We're hearing this stuff, but we're not sure. But maybe today is your day where you would want to say, I would like today to begin. And today to be the day I start having Jesus Christ become the leader and the forgiver of my life. If that's you, I'm going to say a prayer here in just a second. And if you're saying, man, today's my day. Jesus has stepped into my boat. I'm ready to get this party started. I'm ready. Today's my day. I want that prayer to apply to me. Raise your hand and say, Richard, I want that prayer to apply to me. I need to make Jesus the leader and forgiver of my life. Just raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to call you out. Thank you. I see. Yes, I, I see it. Thank you. The Lord is with you. The Lord Jesus has stepped into your boat. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's pray. Father, thank you for invading our life this morning, for stepping into our boat even when we might not have thought we needed you. But God, we say, come on in. Today, we want to make Jesus the leader and forgiver of our lives. Lord, we want today to be our day where we begin this journey. And we'll go where you ask us to go. And we'll see what happens with our life and our family's life. Come in. Become our Lord. Become our Savior. Lead. Be our forgiver in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we thank you for today. We ask you, give us courage to go out deeper with you. Even when we want to say it's not worth it, it's a waste of time. We've already tried it. I'm not good enough. It can't happen. I'm too scared. Lord, help us. Take us out deeper so that we can see what you can do when we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.